Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 103. It's now been one year, four weeks, and three days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And you know, I tried to record this show yesterday down on the podcast rock at my local park, but there was these dang crows that just kept cawing and cawing, and I thought, well, that'll be okay. So right after the letting go of Josh Woodward... I'm going to play that for you as I open what I'm going to let go of. And you'll see why I finally had to say perfectionism be darned. I just can't talk to you with these crows cawing in my ear. So I thought it's kind of a funny blooper, but also I did a fairly decent job of introducing what I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to leave that in. Okay. On today's show, I'll share with you all about my trip back home and the feelings I had to face and how that went. We'll welcome some new BCs and have a few heartfelt thank yous and really important announcements. And then, because so many of you have been calling or writing about binges and falling off the wagon lately, Suze goes on the bravery report for letting me use the audio of her experience and her question on the show. After I play that for you, I'm going to ponder on the topic of how do we get over falling off the damn wagon? after we binge or have a disappointing eating day, after we've been doing so gosh darn well. You know, and as a little bonus, this really isn't a bonus episode, but it's gonna be kind of like a triple bonus. Donnie posted a really good question on my I'm going home to Seattle blog post, all about how do you know when you're at the right weight? How do you know when your desire to lose weight is really centered in your health or for reasons other than people-pleasing, you know, society or your significant other or expectations that people put on you. How do you know when you are happy for yourself at your physical weight? So stay tuned while we listen to Josh's inspirational snippet of I'm letting go. (laughs) Then I'll share with you my crow experience of yesterday and then move on to tell you what I'm letting go of, how that was inspired by my trip home to Washington. A lot to talk about today. I'm so glad you're joining me here on the mountain at my upper Zen spot. Oh, you know what? I got that wrong too. (laughs) What the heck? I'm not perfect today. I'm at the next upper Zen spot up on the mountain trying to avoid the darn crows. And it's a little bit of a windy day, so you might be hearing some wind noise. I hope the crows can't fly in this wind. Anyway, Josh, take it away. But I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never This is certainly a wonderful moment to listen to I'm Letting Go because these darn crows are going to drive me insane, I think. I don't know if it's a territory war or what they're telling to each other or if it's a mating thing. I don't know. But these crows are literally driving me insane for a moment. But despite that, this is my opportunity to talk with you all. So I'm going to. 
So besides my perfectionistic wish to have a little more peace and quiet out here in the middle of the woods down at my local park, I'm going to tell you that what I'm letting go of today is the whole idea of shame surrounding who I am, okay? Shame. Now we've talked a little bit before, guilt is when you do something wrong and you feel guilty about it, right? It's your action. You say, oh man, I, I accidentally didn't pay for the soda pop that's down on the bottom of my shopping cart and here I am at home and I just don't feel like going back to the store. And your conscience niggles you and says, oh, you know, you really should go back to the store because it's not wrong. I mean, it's not right that you stole that, <laughs> even if you didn't mean to, right? That's guilt. That's an action. That's something that you did or that you perceive that you did. Shame is when you feel badly about yourself simply because of who you are. A good example is I've always really hated the fact that my legs are really, really big. I mean, people can be overweight and not have legs as big as I do. And my, my legs are really, really big, even when I'm on the more slender side. Okay, so now I'm back on the mountain. Did you hear all those gosh darn crows while I was trying to reveal my innermost heart about my shame and all this kind of crap? That really ticked me off and I thought, man, I'm a big liar because I had said to you guys with a straight face, I don't care about these crows. I'm not perfectionistic. Well, besides not wanting to subject you to hearing crows in the background, which may or may not drive you nuts, depending on how sensitive you are to outside sound and so forth. It was driving me nuts. Having those crows go, ka, 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 ka. I, I just couldn't put my thoughts together. And I said, you know, sometimes bravery is just cutting your losses, saying this just is not working out for me in this situation. Let's go home, let's think this through, let's make an attempt another day and see what happens. So I'm not gonna feel any shame about that. I think actually that was a good decision and it probably gave me this wonderful bonus hike today because I don't know so close to us going off to my birthday trip that I would have fit a hike in otherwise. So we're kind of mixing up our format, as I said a little bit earlier. This is kind of like a weird hybrid bonus, not bonus type of show. So I'm going to skip ahead to an announcement now while it's on my mind to let you know that I'm recording today on Friday, March 6th, 2015. So if you're hearing near this date, know that on Sunday, Mark and I are going away for a few days to Palm Springs to celebrate my birthday. That's right. Oh, I'm only going to be double nickel for a couple more days. On March 9th, I turned 56. Oh my Lord. Those feelings of, oh my God, I'm closer to 60 than 50. I can't believe it. As you can see from my selfies, my hair doesn't show that but that's because of Lonnie, my hairstylist, who puts the nice dye and highlights in there. And normally I'm a pretty natural, you know, I am what I am kind of person, but I have to admit with my skin tone and everything, at this moment in time, I actually prefer my looks with my hair done as it is versus letting kind of the silver salt and pepper show through that's really there. Nothing against that. 
I just don't like it yet for me, okay? So I guess that all goes back to shame. Now, I'm not ashamed of being almost 56. I'm not ashamed of having hair that's really salt and pepper gray. I'm not ashamed. I prefer having my hair look the way it does at this moment. Now, back on my crow day, I was sharing with you the deep shame that I feel or felt about having large legs. Now, what I weigh or don't weigh is partially what I put in my mouth and how much I exercise or not, and part of it is my genetic body type, okay? And my genetic body type carries a lot of weight on my legs. And part of that is that I'm very, very long-waisted. So there's like a lot of inches between my bust line and my hip line. So for my height, I carry a lot of height in my skeleton on my upper body. And my legs are actually quite short for how tall I am. My legs are more the length of someone who's, say, 5'3", and I'm 5'7". So my legs are pretty stocky. Also, the bones of my legs are very big. Like my kneecaps are big. My feet are big. I have very slender hands, but my shoulders are somewhat wide. So, you know, your genetics can just give you a weird mix of just your skeleton, right? How big you are depending on your bones, okay? So unless I want to go to the plastic surgeon and have a bonectomy of some sort, which I don't, you know, I got that. Then you have the way chemically and hormonally that your body likes to store or release fat. And we've talked about this sometimes. And, you know, it's kind of typical that women will store fat on their saddlebag area and on their legs. And that was kind of a good place, I guess, to store energy for when you were having children and you needed to turn that into breast milk. Well, I guess my body didn't get the news that, hey, I didn't have kids, and now I'm almost 56, not going to have to use that breast milk now because <laughs> it didn't get that message. Because my body is just programmed that it likes to store weight a lot around the hips, the saddleback, and my upper thighs. It just does. Well, back when I was growing up, I grew up in a very small community at that time. There weren't that many people, and you had to walk around for miles on Halloween if you wanted to get some candy, okay? It was not that many. For example, in my elementary school class, there was nine of us, okay? Nine of us. Then the twins came, and we had 11 of us. <laughs> so that's not very many to be in your, your elementary school class for several years, okay? There wasn't a lot of diversity nor variety, and so I stuck out like a really sore thumb, that I was the little girl. I, maybe, you know, in a way I was kind of shaped like Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple wasn't the skinniest little toddler on the movies. I'm kind of shaped like that a little bit. But compared to the really naturally slender people that I grew up with, I was really big and a funny shape. And I took that to heart that I was different. And as I've talked to you before, I, I put on myself that it was my body that made me different, not also the way that I think or my life experiences or the personality I have or the fact that this wasn't a very big pool of kids to connect with, right? Really not. When you're a little kid, you don't think about stuff like that. Now, also in my own family, they had concerns about my weight. And as I've shared with you before, they were doing everything in their power to make it so that I wouldn't put on weight. 
They were trying to help me lose weight. And they did all kinds of things that weren't particularly helpful to my healthy body image or my healthy body self-esteem. And let's put it out there while I'm talking about this. I don't blame them, right? They weren't saying like, how can we torture Lori and turn her into this neurotic, obsessive, binge eating, compulsive, sad, pathetic girl for years on end? Let's see how we can craft that <laughs> evil family. No, they loved me and they saw that it was tough being a fat kid in a skinny world. And they didn't want me to have to experience that. They wanted me to have success and happiness in life. And so they did stuff to try to make that happen. And I don't wanna really go into all the details, but that's part of the puzzle of why I internalized so badly that I was very bad and eating food I like was bad and I needed to eat food I didn't like and I had to be on a diet and I had to always watch myself at every moment because I just wasn't to be trusted and you know it's true I really was a, a cookie thief if there was cookies in the house even in the freezer I was in there you know sneaking as many as possible putting them down the pajama pants to to have later I wanted to have those treats. I wanted to be part of the crowd. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted all these reasons. Okay, it wasn't just food, but the food was a big symbol. But the important thing is, I didn't think to myself, wow, you know, I'm a different kid. Wow, I, you know, this is kind of how I am and this is, you know, what I'm going to deal with. I thought, oh my God, it's my fault because I knew I was sneaking cookies. I knew I was trying to eat ice cream every chance I could. I knew when I went to the neighbor's house, I was begging for ding-dongs and Twinkies and other junk foods. I know I was doing all this. I know when there was cake left in after a party, I was sneaking in to eat it. I knew all of these things. I knew I was a binge eater, though I didn't know what it was called. And I was from a very, very, very young age. So I knew for a fact it was absolutely my fault that my body was the way that it was. It was my fault that people treated me as they did. It was my fault. If only I could stop sneaking the cookies. If only I could do what my parents wanted me to do and stick to this diet. If only I could eat the carrots and the lamb chops instead of the pork chops. If only, if only, if only. But I couldn't. I was a little kid and then a teenager and then a young adult. And for all of my life, I had that pattern of it's all my fault and it translated into everything. Now, there's other things that happened in my lifetime that wasn't just my body image issues, but in my quest to become accepted and to be liked by my peers and by people in general, I made a lot of choices in my life, my young life, my teenage life, my young adult life, that I frankly wish I had not made today a lot of really sketchy, shady, bad decisions, things that got me into a lot of painful situations, things that were terrible. And I don't really feel comfortable sharing any of those details with you other than telling you that the basis of them was I was doing all of these bad decisions 
trying to be loved, trying to be accepted, trying to find the place in the world where people said, hey, Lori, it's okay that you're so shamefully fat. It's okay, however you are, that you talk too much, that you're kind of weird, that you're nerdy. It's okay that you are how you are. But you know, I never did find that, making all these weird bad choices and getting into some situations that were frankly dangerous, painful, and not very good. <laughs> that, that didn't fly. Because making bad decisions and doing things that are not right according to how you are inside never works. It might distract you. It might give you a surface comfort of feeling I'm okay in this moment, just like gambling does. Like if you really go like play the slots or a poker, that turn of the card, putting that next nickel in and thinking maybe this time I'm going to hit the jackpot. You get that feeling of distraction, that feeling of excitement, that maybe this time feeling. So long story short, Everywhere around Western Washington where my family resides, there are places and people and situations that when I am there and have to come face to face with it and I can't withdraw and I can't isolate and people ask me about, oh, what about so-and-so? Or they tell me news about my past. It just is so incredibly painful. It's just I'm not brave about it. I do what a lot of us do. I like to isolate and frankly not go there. And that is one reason why I moved to California right around the time I was 30, 31. That's one of the reasons. I have other reasons which I'm not going to share at all, but that's part of it. I wanted a sunnier place. I wanted a fresh start. I wanted a place that was not Washington. I wanted to be a new person. And I made the mistake that a lot of people make, thinking that if you just change your environment, you can change yourself. Okay? If I change my environment, I don't need to be ashamed because this new place will let me be somebody different. And it is a little bit true. Now, one thing that worked out really well for me is California is, for most days, very sunny and bright. And Western Washington, most days, is cold and drizzly and gray. And I have a depressive gene. I tend to fall into clinical depressions. And part of that is like that seasonal affect, you know, the sad, where the seasons can really impact you. That is how much light is hitting your eye. You can look it up on the Internet if you want. But that's part of true for me. So I feel much better just everything being equal being in sunny California than I do in drizzly gray Washington. So that was a very, very good outcome for me that I moved to California. But guess what? When I moved to California, I'm still built the way I am. I still put on weight. I still have a hard time losing it. I still met some bad people. I still had some bad situations occur. I still made some really terrible choices and got myself into some pickles. Though I think just from the fact that I was making a new start and I was kind of here on my own in a lot of ways, I started to get in touch with 
I don't like that, or this isn't for me, or time to move on, even though some of these situations in California took me a long time <laughs> to wiggle out of. And part of that was when I put on the weight that took me over 300 pounds. That was me kind of wiggling out of a situation I didn't like very well. And I sort of did it by denial and getting really, 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 really big. Didn't know it at the time, but I still, felt basically ashamed of myself. I still felt, even married to Mark, that I wasn't lovable. I felt that the people who actually liked me just didn't know me, right? We've talked before, I was the happy, helpful, mask-wearing person, and I felt like those people who got to know me, if I let my guard down, they would leave. And you know what? They kind of did. Because if somebody is getting to know you and you are playing a role, when you drop the role, you're not that person anymore, right? You're not. So even though it's tough, I've learned that you kind of have to be yourself. Even if it's goofy and weird and maybe feels shameful to you, it might feel shameful to you to be yourself. You might be terrified to be yourself. And a lot of people might leave you and say, hey, that's too quirky, weird, goofy, not my cup of tea. But the people who don't leave you are the ones who like you for you. They like that quirky. They like that sense of humor. They like that sensibility. They like those things that you bring to the table. And they're out there, I promise you. All this year, I've been so myself. It has been so terrifying. And I still wish I had thin legs. Oh my God, I just wish with all my heart I could somehow magically make my legs a different size and shape and I could fit in the chair. I wish I could, I do. Here I'm even starting to cry here on this mountain and I'm actually basically happy, but I wish, I wish, I wish my legs were different. But I'm not ashamed of them. My legs are built how they're built. That was the genetic cards I got. I dealt with my life the way that I did. That resulted in the weight that I am. I am who I am. It wasn't a fault. It wasn't stealing pop from the grocery store and keeping it. It wasn't any intention on my part to look this way or be this way, or be different. This is how I'm made. This is who I am. This is all what I am. And for me to go home to Washington and to be real in a place where I was so fake, so scared of hurting feelings, so scared of letting anyone, my family included, know me, that was hard. And that was a big thing that I did in my therapy all this year was working through these issues, practicing. How can I be real in this place? How can I maintain the authenticity that I've been sharing with you all this time? You know, one of the things that I never did, in fact, outside of to my brother, I never even told my mom or any of my relatives about this show. 
they all knew about Daily Adventure Tales. I wrote about that one in the Christmas newsletter. I interviewed them. I would take my recorder out. I had my mom tell duck jokes on that show. You know, I had them all involved. They all knew about that show. But when Compulsive Overeating Diary came out and started to resonate with UBCs, that's a great thing, right? When they asked me what's new, I would kind of skip over it. Well, I'm uh, learning voice acting, I'm studying singing, or I'm gonna go do this show. And they go like, oh, Daily Adventure Tales. I'm like, no, actually another one, but I would skip right over it and I would never mention it. Now, I know some of UBCs are not comfortable with liking Compulsive Overeating Diary podcast on Facebook because that shows up in your likes page. And a lot of you aren't comfortable giving your real name on the show because you don't want people to know about that you have an interest in this issue. And that is where you are, right? I don't necessarily assume that you're ashamed of it, but you're not comfortable sharing it. And that was me. Here I am, Lori, the honest, bravery host, you know, telling you to be you and it's okay and be how you are. And I couldn't even tell my own family that I had had success building an integrated life where I no longer had to fear food, where I no longer had to sneak food, where I no longer had to think that food was going to fix my life. How could I say those things? They're used to me being on a diet and having to worry about what food they have in the house or where we're going to eat, or me being not on a diet <laughs> you know, and going hog wild talking about calories, talking about what's going on, talking about how much I weigh or don't weigh compared to the last time they've seen me. And you've seen the pictures on my website. If I went, you know, every couple of months to Washington, they might see a fat chick, a skinny chick, a, fat, a chick in the middle. I might be on Atkins, I might be on paleo, I might be counting my calories, I might be having a Fitbit and running like the devil up and down their stairs to get a few more steps in. Who knows what I was up to? But all of our conversations were about my weight. How I'm doing with my weight? What's my new technique with my weight? What's going on with this effing weight? None of our conversations were about us inside because it was easier to talk about my weight and what I was doing than it was to talk about things that were painful or to say I'm sorry or to say, you know what, when this happened, it really hurt my feelings. Those are hard conversations to have. Boy, I'm actually think it's a miracle in this moment that I'm not running down the hill trying to get a bag of chips. But I don't feel one bit hungry. I kind of feel like a big boulder's off my head because I want to share with you now one of the biggest things that I did is I told my mom about this show and I downloaded for her show 100 and I listened to it with her. I let her hear me tell you about my life. And if you're curious, go back to show 100 and listen to the opening where I talk about how pathetic I felt and how this show had helped me feel okay for the first time ever. And my mom and I got to have a conversation about that, a real conversation, not with blame, but with understanding, 
I let my mom know who I was. I let her know that I love her and I don't blame her. I let her know I'm okay. That her little chick is starting to fly. I was real. And you know what, brave companions? It turned out great. I had the best time ever visiting my relatives and riding around parts of Tacoma on the bike. I didn't feel this overwhelming pain and sadness that I normally felt. I felt okay. I was me. I was home. And it was okay. was emotional. I had to take a moment to blow my nose and to calm down. But you know, it really was a good thing that I went home and I faced up to some of these feelings and worked my way through it. So that's all good. But ta-da! Time to welcome our new BCs and share some thank yous and announcements. Well, I already told you I'm going to be away for my birthday trip. So same old, same old. Go ahead and post your comments. Send me your audio by the bravery hotline or via speak pipe because I will get back to you when I return. But first, before I welcome the new BCs, I kind of want to explain how I go about doing that. Since I know, shockingly, as I said in the opening, not everybody actually wants their name on a show called Compulsive Overeating Diary. So this is what I do. If you comment publicly on one of my blog posts or show notes or call the Bravery Hotline and say, hey, Lori, it's okay for me to use this during the call, I will say your name and welcome you the very first chance I get. And often that is the very next episode. Not always, but usually. If part of your post or story seems extremely personal, I will then try to email you or contact you if I have some way to do so to make sure that I can use it. Otherwise, I just skip over it. If your comments seem pretty general, then I will often use a snippet of that when I welcome you. Now again, that's if you have publicly posted on the website or given me permission on the Bravery Hotline or via SpeakPipe. If you contact me privately by the contact form on the website or by email, or you don't give me permission to use your story when you send in the audio, then I won't welcome you by name. So if you're wondering why I didn't, you need to contact me and say it's okay. <laughs> the same for using any of your story that you send on the contact form or by email. So if you are a BC and you are new to this show and want to be welcomed, or you are just newly feeling brave enough to reach out, go ahead and post your hellos and comments on the website or on the website or use the contact form or you can send me an email directly at lori at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com or you can call the bravery hotline and don't forget to say that I can use this on the show. Now on to the welcomes. A few new BCs contacted me via the contact form or email and as I mentioned they didn't give me permission to greet them by name but you new BCs if you're one of those and you are listening right now let me just tell you how happy I am to know that you are listening. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to let me know that you are and that you like the show. 
Now, one new BC from the contact form who did give me permission to greet her is Becky from the UK. Hi, Becky. I'm so glad to get to know you. Becky wrote me that she too has had a history of yo-yoing and says she is very happy to have found us since we echo much of what she's been going through. Another new BC is Lisa, who stopped by to first publicly post her hellos and comments on day 11, and then again on my blog post where I told you all I was off to Seattle and to please keep the lights on for me. On that particular blog post, Lisa writes, I am just sort of discovering my relationship with compulsive overeating and binge eating disorder. I dig around all the time for more resources and am seeing professionals, but I have to say, Lori, that this podcast has really become part of my daily life. I listen to it in the car and even sometimes in stores if I don't have my son with me. I'm going in order from day one, and I'm at around day 40 or so. You're so much a part of my life. I expect that when I get caught up on podcasts, I might go back to the beginning and start listening to them all again. Right now, I don't have a lot to say about myself other than that I can totally relate to a lot of the feelings and experiences you describe, and it feels nice to have a common thread like that. Your words play in my head all of the time and are slowly helping me think more and more about my actions and about how I can help myself to overcome my issues. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Elisa, I just want to thank you so much for all of your thoughtful comments and for being so open with us. And I'm so proud that you are a BC, one of us. I can't wait to hear more from you. You know, and as you go through the show, it's a little bit weird for me because, you know, those were thoughts and feelings I was experiencing long ago. But you know what? It's okay for you to continue to comment your way through on the days that you're listening to because it brings up points of discussion and also other BCs like to hear them. You know, and other people are going to find the show and listen from day one and follow along. And many of them love to read comments as they go. So I want to thank you again, Lisa, for stopping by and commenting. And while I was away, I wasn't there to comment immediately. I was unplugged, as I told you. But Sue from the UK stepped up to welcome Lisa. Sue writes, Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the group. We all come from different backgrounds, but the struggles we share resonate with so many. We all love hearing from new listeners. I look forward to seeing more of your posts. Then Suzanne also took time to welcome Lisa. Suzanne says, hi, Lisa, welcome. I had a similar experience in binge listening to all of the podcasts from day one while I was getting caught up. I was totally immersed, and the podcast was like a companion in my life for several days. And I did go back and listen to them again. You're right around some of the most important episodes for me, which were in the upper 30s and early 40s. It takes some time to process all the thoughts and feelings they bring up. So glad you found a place where so many of us can relate to those ever-present feelings about food and emotions. So, a big hug and hello to you, Becky, and to you, Lisa. And thank you so much, Sue and Suze, for supporting our new BCs. Now, you listeners, you BCs, if you would like to post a hello to Lisa and Becky, or welcome our new BCs in general, feel free to stop by day 103 show notes, and that would be at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day day 103 slash no space that is how you can always find the show notes for any day that you're interested in it's always compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day the number of the show slash and you will find that show where you can post your comments or say hello to people 
All right. I also want to take this time and send a great big smooch. Get ready. Cover your ears, though, so you don't like my smooches. Mwah. And a heartfelt thank you to Amy from Wisconsin. As many of you might recall, Amy is an enthusiastic, wonderful quilter, and Amy sent me the best surprise. Amy had been working on a quilt often when she was listening to the show last year. And when she was done, she sent it to me as a gift. That's right, she sent me the very quilt that has all of the love she felt while listening to me and you and the rest of the BCs. It is beautiful and I will treasure it always. I just love it, Amy. And you know, some of you have been asking me how to send me cards or letters or packages like Amy did. So I made sure that I added my P.O. box address to the contact page and I checked that post office box every now and again. But I have to be honest, it's not always on a regular basis. So if you do send me a card or a package or something in the mail and you wonder why I am so impolite as not to mention it to you, then you might want to shoot me an email letting me know so that I will that day walk up to the post office to check it out. Now our final announcement. You may or may not remember that I have been having technical difficulties with my podcast show notes on the website. And because of this, and also because I realize I need to simplify my posting process as much as I can to get the shows out in a timely manner, the show notes content moving forward is going to be very much reduced. For example, I'm simply eliminating the resource of the day links. Since hardly anybody were using them, you just weren't. I can tell from my show logs, you know, where you go, what outside links you go to, and you just really weren't going to those resources of the day. So I'm going to save myself time and save the show notes space there. And I'm also not going to post any more links to the individual comments that I mentioned on the show. Not that I don't think they're important, but I saw that nobody was really using those very often either. But you can always find the latest comments on the website by checking out the widget on the front page that says, please support our latest commenters because links to the latest comments are right there. All right, on to Donnie's question that she posted on our I'm going home to Seattle blog post. And you know, this resonated with me because I've really been thinking a lot about my body size lately and how I feel about it. And then Donnie posted this. Lori, this is exactly where I'm at. I keep asking myself, why do I want to lose weight? Why can't I weigh 190 pounds? I don't have an answer other than vanity. That's the only answer. And Weight Watchers. The clothes that I have right now fit me fine. My eating is good. I enjoy it. I don't feel deprived. I don't feel restricted. But I don't feel like I'm going with reckless abandon. My workout slash activity is at a sustainable level. I'm not embarrassed about myself. I don't feel unhealthy. I don't feel like my weight is hindering me in any way. But something drives me to feel like I need to weigh less. When I sit and really ask myself what and why, I don't have an answer. I don't have a reason. Even my husband told me he thinks I look pretty good where I'm at right now. It all boils down to Weight Watchers. I don't know how I feel or what I think about that. Part of me wonders if it's because if I wasn't losing weight or chasing a number, what would I be doing? Maybe it's just that I need to feel that something, that obsession, that drive, that something. I don't know. I do know it's really weird. Well, Donnie, as I posted on the website, 
I wrote down some of my thoughts about that issue. I'm not going to read those thoughts on this show, however. I'm going to sit here on the mountain and ponder it because I've been having a lot of feelings about my physical body. And in fact, I talked about this in therapy yesterday. So brave companions, welcome to a bonus, bonus episode, (laughs) a mini episode bonus here in the middle of day 103. I am... At this point, 100% confident that I don't consider my body weight to make me unlovable or not valuable. I understand that I, Lori, as a person, am completely lovable or valuable at any size. And if I had something else happen to me, if I lost my ability to walk, let's say, through age or accident, I would still be lovable and valuable. If I get thin, I would be lovable and valuable. If I got heavier, I'd still be lovable and valuable. My physical body is just part of who I am. My physical body is the way that I experience this life. And while my body is not me, I experience life from inside this body or through this body or what my body can feel or what my body can do, right? My body is the key to how much energy I have, how far I can run, how many things I can carry at once that have the groceries. Can I pick up a little kid and whirl them around in the park? Can I sing a song? All of this is part of my body what my body can do, how it is, how it feels, how it feels to be me. Now also, as we've talked before, our body is part of our social shorthand, right? If you have what society considers an attractive body, people experience you in a different way than if you have what society considers not a lovely body. But you know, there's many reasons why society might think you don't have a lovely body. And at my age, even if I had a banging great bikini body, the headline would be, Lori looks great for her age, (laughs) right? Not Lori looks great. Those days, I would be in 25 or maybe even 30 and having a banging bikini bod and having everyone looking at me and, uh, you know, thinking I was hot mama kind of thing. That's not going to happen. And you know what? I don't think I really want that to happen. I don't think that was ever part of my makeup to feel comfortable with that kind of physical attention. I primarily, as I discussed earlier, wanted my physical body to match society's norms because I thought that was the key for people to like me and for me to be accepted in the world. I now know that, Donnie. I I know that I'm okay as a person but I still have feelings about my physical body and where it is and what it's up to and what I can do and how I feel moving around in it. And what's confusing for me is that I know that dieting is not good for me, (laughs) at least not now, and I don't really think ever. I don't think dieting is good for me, giving my emotional dependence on dieting and binging and what restricting does to my focus. But on the other hand, I feel that I'm physically carrying, I would estimate, about 30 pounds more than I would really like. 
Now that would still put me at a weight that's much higher than society would enjoy, but I think it would be a weight where I would feel happier. Not because I think I look so much better. I really don't think I'm going to look any better, 30 pounds less, to strangers than I do right now. I think I would still be considered fat. I think I would still have really big legs. And I think that I wouldn't really be making progress in a societal acceptance front by losing anything. But my own physical well-being, I think, would be improved. I think it would be easier to ride the bike. I think I would have more energy. I think it might be easier to have breath control in voice acting and singing. So I believe that right now, physically, I would like it if my body would agree with me and drop some pounds. I would like it if that would happen. Now, this is in my head, and I also think my body is giving me some of these cues, right? Because I think if the weight that I am, whatever that is, was actually my body's perfect physical weight, I would be feeling fantastic. I've had days where I feel really, really good physically, you know, where I feel like I can just walk for miles and miles and, and never run out of energy, where I just feel full of energy and vigor. And part of that is my sleep, but part of that is what I'm carrying with me. To carry extra weight on your frame takes a lot of energy. So I'm thinking all these questions through too. Like, I don't want to trigger myself to start binging again. And in a few minutes, I'm going to talk a little bit more about binging and what I think about that. I don't want to do that. And I certainly don't want to go down the path of cutting down food groups and throwing these things out the door and saying, all right, I'm done with all grain. That's it, because that has not worked for me in the past, long term. And one thing, Donnie, I know for an absolute, absolute, absolute fact, there's, hey, this is the one thing, this is the absolute thing that I do know, is that whatever you're doing, if you're not happy doing it forever, then your weight's going to creep back up most likely. You know, if you're going on an extreme diet program, it is possible that your palate will change and that you will become happy and comfortable and love your life and love how that set of foods makes you feel. And if that's true, then that's a good sign that you're on the right path. If you're following a diet program, and even if you're seeing fantastic weight loss results, but you don't feel in your heart of hearts, hey, I feel so great and this feels so natural to me and this is something I want to do for you forever, then I am afraid that down the road you're going to see this issue come up. At least that's what's happened for me. And so even though I know plenty of good weight loss tricks and actually some pretty great and pretty healthy for a diet, diet plans. <laughs> I'm not yet ready emotionally to do that. Now, I might in the future do kind of what Amy in Wisconsin has described before, and that is to combine the principles of emotional eating with a very high calorie range and kind of check in with what my calories are. Right now, though, I feel that if I start weighing and measuring food or tracking calories, I am too close to the slippery slope. 
So what I'm trying to do is like double down, triple down on paying attention to what my body wants to eat. And that can be pretty tough because something I noticed is I have been putting on weight when I have emotionally charged situations like my going home to Washington. When I went home to Washington, I actually did not overeat. I really didn't. And I exercised every single day. So my calorie consumption cannot explain the few pounds that I feel that I put on during that trip and immediately after. But I do know that my emotions were all over the place. And I think the jury is still out on what emotional chemicals do to your body. And we all know cortisol, the stress hormone, can tend to put some belly fat on you if it has the opportunity. So I have noticed that when I'm depressed, maybe I'm eating a little more chocolate and a little less broccoli, you know, or it might be that chemically my body is holding on to weight when I get depression or emotional things. I don't know. But right now I feel like I'm holding a couple more pounds than I was before. I don't feel especially hungry. I don't feel very hungry at all. And this might be my body telling me, hey, Lori, enough with this. Let's drop a few. You know, we'll, we'll see. Another thing that I've noticed is that when I'm actually hungry in my body, I know it. It's kind of like if you're in love, you know, I've been watching The Bachelor and when he says, oh, I just don't know what to do, this girl or that girl, I'm thinking then you don't know and you're not in love because if you're in love, you would know it. (laughs) You know, when you're really in love, you don't wonder, am I in love? You know it. I'm sorry, you just do. And I've come to the conclusion now that I've been practicing, I know when I'm physically hungry And some of the things that was confusing for me about being physically hungry was uh, when you have kind of noises in your tummy and you feel kind of this digestion process, I would sometimes think, oh, that's hungry. And sometimes that's part of it. But now I know that hungry is actually a feeling that comes upon me that I need more energy to move. It's like when I'm riding a bike and I know I need to either eat a tangerine or eat part of a banana or take some sports beans because I can feel that energy dip in my athletic performance. I'm now starting to identify that energy dip feeling that indicates a true hunger. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in the binge segment coming up. But true hunger, I think, is the key. Though... You know, it's not always 100% accurate, especially if you've been yo-yo dieting for as long as me because you can have some hormonal things that are out of whack. And I'm going to work with my doctor on some of that too. But bottom line, for me, right now, I admit to you, I would like to lose weight. That my body is not what I would like. That I think my body would be happier at a smaller size. And I'm going to start exploring that idea to see what I can do forever that will keep me healthy and happy and hopefully keep this emotional progress that I've made as well. So stay tuned. 
and we'll see how that goes. Okay, to wrap up today's show, I want to talk a bit about binges and recovery from them. Many of you BCs have been having struggles with this a little bit lately, and our brave Suzanne gave me permission to open this topic by playing some of her honest call about it via speak pipe. And this is what happened after she had been doing really, really well. Lori, uh-oh. What did I do? What did I do? I had a binge. I was doing so well. I was so happy. And nothing happened between then and now that would cause an emotional response that I can think of. But I was doing really well. But then I had some... I just all of a sudden had cravings. So I did have some ice cream. And then I had some animal crackers. And I had too much. Now, what's weird is I still don't feel full. I mean... This is what's weird about what happens to me. I'll suddenly get like an overwhelming a compulsion to eat something and then I eat it. And I know, I mean, in my mind that it's too much, that I didn't, you know, need all those calories or whatever, but my body signals are messed up somehow. I mean, how come they were working earlier today and now they're messed up? Because, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm full and I just can't eat. And, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I have to eat. And even though I ate a large, large portions, I don't feel stuffed. I don't feel overly full or un- even uncomfortable. I just feel like even. So that's weird. I'm not sure what to learn from this. Um, I'm frustrated, but... Um, uh, I don't know, it's just something to kind of notice, I guess, and see if there's anything I can gain, glean from it, I guess, informationally. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever had that happen before where you're just like, gee, I'm doing really well and I'm happy and, and you know, I'm listening to my body signals and, and I'm okay. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> we're going to eat everything inside. So, yeah, I don't know what happened, but... <laughs> I sent you a speak pipe because I was so excited. Oh, yay me. Look what's happening. How great it is and all the progress I'm making. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, the thing that I just sent you, never mind. I just destroyed it. But I don't know. I don't feel that bad about it because I've been so overweight for so long that it's like, oh, it's just another one of those things. It's a long line of things like that. Anyway, okay. I just thought I'd send you a big confessional so anyway well what did I say three bloody Marys and whatever okay I'll talk to you later bye well Suze you are on the bravery report for sharing that with us and you know this is what I kind of wanted to talk about is being in the moment versus living your life on a streak all right, many of us use streaks to motivate us, right? We say, well, I've been doing great with my diet plan for this many days, or I've been binge-free this many days, or in my case, I've not got on the scale for so many days. And we kind of use that to motivate us because we don't want to break our streak. But guess what, brave companions? All streaks come to an end. 
every streak I've ever heard of. You know, even long-standing athletic records of the most home runs or the fastest mile or however, streaks come to an end. If we think about our life as being successful because we're maintaining a consistent streak, then we fall into the all or nothing thinking of my life is not successful when I fall off the wagon or the streak or I'm not doing so well. Or like what happened to Suze? I was feeling so good, I was doing so well, and then bam, out of nowhere, the robot aliens came, and next thing I know, meow, 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 I'm eating everything, and why is that? And how come I don't feel full? I've eaten so much, I must feel full. What's going on here? Well, like I said, there's a couple of components to this. I want to address first, like I said, being in the moment. Now, how do you recover from that awful, gut-wrenching, shameful feeling that will engulf us often after a binge or a bad eating choice or doing something we think is wrong instead of staying on the wagon, being true to our goal and doing all that kind of thing, right? I've been there a million, million times. I've done great and then I screw it all the heck up and then I feel the cloak of shame descend and then I would be tempted just to say, what the hell and continue binging or eating bad foods that I was not choosing to eat or whatever, I would feel bad. And then just tell myself things like, oh, see, you always screw up. You are never gonna do better. You are so fat. Yeah, you know, you know that critical voice really well, I betcha. Well, this is how I think about that to help me, is we live our life in a moment. We don't get to live it the moment before. We don't get to live it in the future. We are living our life right now. So I want you to take... 10 seconds, I'm gonna count us down, take a deep breath, then I'm gonna cut in 10 seconds of my music, right, that I play, and I want you to just notice where are you right now? And I'm going to give you the example first before I cut it, cut, before I count you down, okay? And take a deep breath. At this time, I'm sitting on the bench at the next to Upper Zem place. It's a sunny day in California. There's a light breeze. I feel not hungry, not full in my tummy. My pants feel slightly tight across the back, and I don't enjoy that feeling. I'm feeling peaceful and excited that I've been able to do my show with you. I feel slightly tired and fatigued from coming up the mountain. I hear a river to my left. I feel the sun on the left side of my face. I see leaves and grass. I see cars going on the freeway way down the, below the mountain. I feel peaceful. Okay, brave companions. I don't care if you're in the car and you're gonna say stuff like, I'm sitting in the GD traffic. I'm feeling annoyed and angry with myself. I'm starving and wish I had a Snickers bar. I don't care whatever it is. I'm going to count you down. Then I want you to take a deep breath and then just say out loud, where are you this moment and how are you feeling? Okay, ready? Deep breath. <gasps> Three, two, one, go.
Okay, were you able to do this or did you just skip forward in the 10 seconds? <laughs> but okay, that was an example of being in the moment. Now, even if you have just in the past several moments had a whopping big tussle with the robot aliens and you have binged yourself silly, you might be busting out of your pants, you might feel sick as can be, and emotionally you just now are amazed at yourself at how awful you are. Every single one of those binge moments is in your past. I want you to take a big breath like we just did. <sighs> Let it out. Realize that now you are in a new moment. Okay, you're in a new moment. Those binge moments are in the past. Now you're in a new moment. You have the chance in this moment to do something differently. And you say, well, what more can I do? I already binge. It's going to take me forever to do enough exercise or to not eat long enough to let this binge come through my body. Yeah, that's true. There's some things we could do to help that, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But in this first moment, when you realize, wow, I wish I hadn't done that, you can do something different. As easy as taking that breath and saying, wow, there must be something going on with me. I don't know what it is, but there's some reason I was binging. Okay, that's something new. Or you could tell yourself, wow, I think I choose to love myself and forgive myself for that. I must really have been in a lot of pain to do that. Or you could take a deep breath and say something like, I think I'm going to now take off these tight feeling pants, put on some comfortable pajamas and listen to some soothing music while I let myself hear something pleasant in my next moment. Okay, what that might be for you might be different. Might be stretching, might be a yoga position, it might be just even thinking about what delicious thing that you truly would savor and enjoy are you going to eat and prepare for yourself the next time you physically feel hungry. I don't know what that clarifying moment will be for you, but I do know that it really helps break that binge cycle, that shame cycle. If you can realize the binge moments are now in the past. That binge is over. You have a chance now. You have a brand sparkling new moment to feel, be, and do something new, something different, something good, something that takes you to your heart, something that will move you to your goals, something. Now, if you really are having this moment immediately after having a binge and you have all the physical discomforts, I would recommend in those first moments you work on mentally forgiving yourself, mentally being kind to yourself, maybe in advance to having a situation like this, actually writing down on cards or something nice things you can say to yourself or practice saying them. And then as time progresses a bit, I literally would get out of any tight feeling clothing if you can 
and put on something loose and comfortable. Drink a little bit of water and then as soon as possible, do some gentle movement. You know, if, it's, if you can, go take a little walk around the block or if it's too cold outside and you can't or you're too physically full, as soon as you're a little bit less full, even like put on some music in the privacy of your home and do some slow dancing to it, just move around. And besides helping your mood, this physically helps that food move through your system. Now, I'm not talking exercise bulimia where I'm saying, okay, you get out there and run a bunch of miles to burn off the calories. That's not what I mean. I mean, right now you have a physical problem as well as an emotional problem. If you've been binging, you have too much food in your digestive tract. And having both the traditional bulimia where you abuse laxatives or make yourself throw up is not a good thing to do. But you do want to be kind to yourself. So these are some things that I know help. That's to drink a little bit of water and to move gently and to make your gut as comfortable as possible and then give it several hours because eventually you're going to feel a tiny bit of hunger in your tummy. Even though this isn't the energy feeling I was talking about earlier, but you're going to feel that your tummy gets a little bit hungry. And at that time, you want to eat something that's gentle on your digestion, but that will help move things along, you know. So a good thing that I've done for that is maybe some oatmeal with a very few walnuts, not too many nuts because nuts can really hurt your digestion, or some berries, or a banana, or, you know, a, a really easy to eat half a sandwich, some, something that will help your stomach kind of push down on what's going on through you. Now, I know this might be TMI, but really, you don't want to like torture yourself so that you absolutely are starving in your stomach and have that lopsided pig in the python feeling where your undergut is completely stuffed full and your stomach is crying out for food because you know it takes time to digest food even when you've had a binge and it takes time for that energy to get into your system so you can have this really bizarre feeling of being actually hungry when you are stuffed absolutely full and that just makes you get out of whack so try to be nice to yourself eat small amounts several hours apart you know like maybe every three or four hours just a small amount of food Keep repeating those gentle movements, small walks, being kind to yourself until the physical part of the binge has moved on. Okay, now we can look at how do you recover from the emotional part now? You know, I could be all new agey, like, oh, we're in the moment and you're all kind and all that. But the reality is you're going to feel sad. You're going to have grief. You're going to be mad because Let's admit it. We all want to be perfect. We want to have our streak. We want to do well. We want to get thinner. We don't want to have binges. We don't want to do wrong things. You know, we, we want to be great. We do. But for whatever reason, we did this. And there is a reason. You're not insane. There is some reason why you did this. So let's take a look at some possible reasons. One, maybe you weren't eating enough on your diet plan. 
If your body is too hungry, if you've been exercising a lot and not eating enough, you might need to up your calories up a little bit. Okay? I'm telling you the truth. I've done this. I've done hard physical programs. And I have binged when I was emotionally top of the drawer, just really doing great because my body was starving. Now, if you think this might be you, then after you get through this binge episode, (laughs) up your calories a few hundred at least. And especially if you went out on a long run or you're doing physical activities, give yourself a little more food. Or it could be that you're not eating the right types of food for you. Some people feel great on paleo or Atkins or no carb or low carb. They feel great. Their bodies respond. Mine did not. When I did that, I had some of the worst binges of my life. And that's because I need some carbohydrate. I do great on oatmeal. I eat oatmeal almost every morning that I'm going hiking or biking. And I do great. If I eat an egg, I bonk. I need carbs in the morning. And when I was trying to not eat carbs and trying to follow those types of plans, I would binge all of the time. My body experience is that that way of thinking is not true for me. I don't feel good if I eliminate grain from my diet. Conversely, some people feel better when they do that. But maybe you feel better if you would limit the amount of meat in your diet. Or like my friend who's a vegan, she feels absolutely fantastic having no animal products in her diet. Her body feels top drawer the absolute best. So it is possible that you could tweak around with what kinds of foods that you're eating to see if maybe it's nutritionally based. Maybe you need to eat some kinds of foods that are a little different than what you've been doing. Because if your body gets nutritionally out of whack, sometimes that can trigger a binge. All right, now the biggie. For me, for me, 90% of the time, my binge is triggered by deprivation of something. Whether it's telling myself I can't eat a certain kind of food, telling myself I can't do something, feeling I'm not loved, feeling I'm not understood, feeling I'm deprived of emotional needs, feeling I'm deprived of what I want to do, or I've said yes to something I wish I said no to. If I have deprived myself of something, even permission to say no, if I have deprived myself of anything, my go-to, oh yeah, Lori, I'll show you, is to have a whopping big binge. So for me, if I get to the place where I'm thinking about why did I binge and what's my recovery plan, what's the lesson here, usually I need to look back through prior to that binge and what was the deprivation and try to fill that deprivation in some other way. That's why, since I've been doing intuitive eating, where I eat anything I want, I don't have very many binges from, you know, not getting food. Because if I want to eat potato chips, I can eat it. If I want to eat chocolate, I can eat it. If I want cake, I can eat it. It doesn't matter. 
I can have whatever I want. So I've been pretty successful at eliminating the food deprivation trigger as I've been working through intuitive eating. But I still have deprivation triggers of where I don't speak up for myself or I'm mad that something didn't turn out the way that I wanted or I wish I could have a conversation with somebody and I'm too scared or these emotional deprivations. These are the things that I'm working through in therapy and by talking to you and by trying to be brave and trying to do those things that I wish that I could do. I'm trying to not deprive myself emotionally. If I need a hug, I'm trying to ask for a hug. If I'm too tired to go to a party, I'm saying, sorry, I'd love to see you, but I'm too tired. I'm practicing these things. So if you're having an emotional trigger for your binge, it's really helpful later on to sit down and think it through and try to pinpoint what were some of the things that were going on. And it's not always easy, but you could take your best guess. You say like, I really didn't want to volunteer for this event. Or, you know, I'm really tired. I haven't been taking time for myself lately. I've been agreeing to everything that everybody wants to go to. Or, you know, I'm really feeling lonely and I'm really wishing that someone would give me a hug, but that's not gonna happen. So. Maybe you book yourself a massage at the YMCA, you know, so someone's actually touching you. Or you go spend more time hugging your cat or your dog. Or you go to an animal shelter and you volunteer to pet the cats and dogs. Or, or go to the hospital and hold the babies. Or do something to get more physical touch into your life. Because I promise you, brave companions, binges aren't because you're crazy. Binges have a reason. And somehow you or your body or both are trying to take care of yourself. So how do you get over when you screw up your streak is be in the moment, take steps to do something different, take care of yourself physically, and do your best to understand why this happened so that you can move on in your very next moment, living a life that's more what you want it to be. Until next time, brave companions, thank you for joining me here on this hill. Thank you for letting me have all of these great emotional moments. I feel free as a bird. Take that, you crows. <laughs> I feel wonderful. And part of that is because you let me be who I am, free of shame, free of fear, and I wish all of that for you. Until next time, take care, because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Oh